Matchmaker Spicy Madi. And on today's episode, we have a fantastic one in store for you. We're doing Are You Open Minded Enough for an Open Relationship? And to join me in the G Spot, that is Guest Spotlight, is Dr. Jolie Hamilton. She is the relationship coach for couples who color outside the lines. She's a research psychologist, TEDx speaker, a best selling author, and certified sex educator. Jolie also co hosts the Project Relationship Podcast with her anchor partner, Ken. And Jolie's been featured in New York Times. Vogue, NPR, and The Atlantic. She spent the past two decades studying and reimagining what love can be if we open our imagination to possibility. Jolie helps people create non-monogamous partnerships that are custom built for their authentic selves. No more shrieking, pretending, or hiding required. Jolie, the crowd goes wild. Everybody is super excited to hear from you. Um, so thankful to have you on and giving us an opportunity to learn more about this um, lifestyle and transition. But to warm you up, you are in the G spot, so I gotta like put you in the hot seat. You're gonna start off with answering when did you first fall in love with yourself? Oh, Tell it was so time. much later than it was supposed to be. <laughs> uh, that's a great question because instantly I am met with all of the times I thought I had fallen in love mm -hmm. with myself, and then there was another layer to go. So yep. the most recent time that I fell in love with myself was when I was finishing up my PhD and I was so, so, so ready to accept all of my full self that mm. I started a business, launched my first book, launched my podcast, defended my PhD, did all of that all at once and somehow managed to enjoy making new connections, having a fabulous sex life. Like it was all about saying oh. yes, yes, yes to, to what I wanted and what was feeling juicy. So the stuff that usually people are like, no, you can't put all mm -hmm. that together it all worked because for was a like, long yes. time were you saying no mm -hmm. mm. yes no or not yet or not enough or mm. the kids should come first or yeah yep all that feeling <laughs> currently adjusting <laughs> um totally. so love love your testimony thank you so much for sharing that of course uh, at the spice life we always encourage that self-love um and that moment where you fall madly in love with yourself we've got to define that we have to remember that and we have to celebrate that so we're going to get right into like the juicy stuff that everybody really wants to know about but i feel like um, as we take people on this journey, right? Um, and the question is, you know, are you open-minded enough for an open relationship? Um, you guys, I, in advance, I want to challenge you to just think outside the box um, and make this a opportunity to learn, listen to learn. So um, I'll be asking Julie like those tough questions, but this is really like on your behalf so that you can have an educated uh, perspective when it comes to monogamy versus non-monogamy but Julie I want you to start off with explaining to people what is technically monogamy and non-monogamy can you define it for us I'd love to because when we think about monogamy usually we have an imagination that monogamy means till death to us depart mm -hmm. it's one person and you know that's it but in fact, monogamy, most of us, the way we practice it, it's serial monogamy. Mm -hmm. We mean one person at a time. 
So that's fine. We, we can just generalize and say, we'll, we'll talk about monogamy being one person at a time. Okay. And on the flip side of that, we can talk about all a huge range of non-monogamies, right? Some of them honest and consensual and some of them not, right? So monogamy has non-monogamy built right into it. We call it cheating. Non-monogamy <laughs> that's done honestly is about being forthcoming about every connection that you're going to have mm -hmm. with every person, every party, knowledgeable about what's going on and about negotiating for what feels right. So here's the thing. There is no one set way for this to go. Whether mm -hmm. you hear it under the title, open relationship, um, ethical non-monogamy, consensual non-monogamy, polyamory, swinging, whatever yeah. word you hear, you still got to ask people, what do you mean? Describe to me what you mean. Yep. Because there isn't just one definition. For it's everybody. like, define it for me because we need clarity. What is this for you? What yes. does it look like for me? Um, so when it comes to, and, and usually, you know, we, we aspire for a monogamous relationship, but if you are kind of thinking about a non-monogamous relationship, can you describe who the ideal candidates would be for that? Sure. So a lot of people who feel like they are good candidates are people who have naturally, they've had this awareness that they've either fallen in love with or been really interested and attracted to multiple people mm -hmm. over their whole lives, over a large part of their adulthood. So these might be people who realize that they never actually leave one relationship without mm -hmm starting another one already, right? So they have those overlapping relationships, mm -hmm. but they want to do it honestly. They want to stop. They want to break this cycle of, of not being honest with people. Mm -hmm. Another set of people who are good candidates are, are folks who are ready to take their individuation journey really seriously. What I mean by that is mm -hmm. these are people who've decided that relationships can be their path to getting to know themselves deeper and deeper. And the thing about non-monogamy and this can happen in monogamy too. But the thing about non-monogamy is you are going to have to figure your communication out. You're going to have to figure out how to face your shadows, how to ask for what you need. You're going to have to figure out how to deal with jealousy. You're going to have to figure out how to really make relationship agreements that yeah. are structured in mutually beneficial ways, right? So it levels up how you are in relationships. So th the people I find are best suited are people who are like, oh, I'm in for the effort that this will take because the cultural script isn't going to hold us. We're yeah. going to have to do it for ourselves. So when a partner presents this, right? Like, hey, babe, I'm thinking we should have an open relationship or a non-monogamous relationship. Um, what are usually though the common maybe uh, excuses or justifications that they're approaching their partner with? What are, what are like the most common ones? Yeah, so, so there's actually this term being kicked around the internet right now called polybombing, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not here for it, but it's this idea that someone just, surprises their partner in, in a monogamous relationship with boom, um, I'm polyamorous. And so we have to open, mm. there's a lot to unpack there and we don't have to go into every detail, but being an open relator, being somebody who wants to have multiple open, honest relationships, that might be your truth. And telling your partner that doesn't actually mean that everything has to blow up. It doesn't have to mean that everything has to change. It means they're actually showing you more of themselves. Mm. So one of the tripping spots can be where we hear that our partner wants to open up in some way and we imagine what this will mean without actually taking the time to just pause and say, oh, actually, I don't really know 
what open relationships look like on the inside. Mm -hmm. I only know what Hollywood has presented me and what my imagination is cooking up and neither of those is pretty. So let's just slow down and say, what do you mean by that? Because there could be so many things, including just, hey, maybe I want to like go to a strip club with you. Maybe I want to, maybe we could go to a swingers party, right? Like that's very different Mm -hmm. from, I would like you to have three sister wives, right? (laughs) There's there's a variety of ways, but if your imagination goes to the worst possible scenario, that's not going to help anything. And I feel like that's the most common response though, that, you know, I feel like that's what would happen if, if my partner were to present to me right now, Hey, you know, I want a non-monogamous relationship, my mind would instantly go to, oh, you mean I have to share you with whomever you choose. Um, can you describe the dynamics? Does it look like uh, one gets to play and have a good time with as many people as they want? Or, you know, are we both turning up and, you know, going after whoever we're attracted to? What does that dynamic usually look like? Okay, so there are a lot of different ways for this to play out. We might divide this into some broad categories, like, some people decide that they want to be polysexual. Mm-hmm. Um, we think of this like old school swingers, right? Like they yeah. want to go out and have sexual intimate connections. Maybe they want to do that only when they're together, right? And maybe they're okay with doing that separately, but it's all about the sex, right? Now, the trick here is we can't always tell when we're going to have feelings. So <laughs> when people start off down the road of like, it'll only be about sex. I always want to take a beat and say, where you want to start your experimentation mm-hmm. might be there. But let's remember that we're going to have to always stay open to the fact that the only thing that's guaranteed in this life is changed. So there are other situations that might evolve. Lots of people enjoy a dynamic life where both partners go out and have fun. Um, I myself am non-monogamous and have been for 13 years. And both my anchor partner and I were married. And from the outside, we look totally like your normal soccer couple. (laughs) (laughs) We have seven kids, but... Yeah, we both date, we both go out. And you said, does it just look like I have to share you with whoever? Well, that'll depend a lot on what kind of agreements you have in place. I like to think of it as I want to trust you so much and I want to continually deepen my trust so that you will take seriously when I and another partner, like when we just don't mesh, like that's just not gonna mesh in your world, Mm -hmm. that you as the centerpiece in that particular scenario that you will take that seriously and work with all of us to make this make this work, right? And so that means that not everybody winds up being a good fit for everybody because mm-hmm. it's a little bit more complicated. Like you're adding more dynamic elements. Well, and for well, some people, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna ask like, when are you finding the time, right? Like we barely <laughs> are mastering being an incredible partner to the one person we do that. Uh, so when it comes to like, now let me juggle these other relationships because I want to expand myself or I want to have, you know, more sexual, you know, experiences, um, which oftentimes is where our mind goes to, right? We usually think that it yeah. just means sex with other people because we would be um, uh, more insecure if it was you actually forming real relationships and feelings for others. Um, so when do you manage this time to dedicate and a lot to the person who you signed up for and who you married and you made your vows to versus these other relationships that you now have to pour into? Right. Okay. So this will depend a lot on how your marriage actually looks. So I specialize in helping people who are in a more traditional looking marriage, transitioning into something open. And so 
one of the things we have to unpack right away is, okay, what is your North Star? What is the guiding principle of your opening right now? Not what will it be 10 years from now? Not mm-hmm. what, what will you eventually get to? But right now, what are you available for? Because in fact, love is infinite, but calendars are very, very finite. So you're totally right to hit on, yeah, but there's only just so much time. Like I said, I have seven kids and I have an mm-hmm. anchor partner and we own a house. We're actually rebuilding it right now. It's insane. And I own a business. So yeah, it absolutely means that one of the things I have to be clear with is when I put myself out to date, I have to disclose to new partners the fact that I'm not available, for instance, to move into their house. Mm-hmm. I'm not available to be at their beck and call 24 seven. I'm just not that my life is not that way. That was true when I was dating singly too. I didn't want to be at someone's beck and call 24 seven. So Mm -hmm. everybody actually has the open, like that you have that window of opportunity when you're first seeing someone to level set and help them understand what you're available for. And that's the brilliant moment. It's, it's making yourself available in the right amount for your life. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna push a little bit deeper because I really I, I find this fascinating. Um, you have seven children and you're married. The our mind instantly would go to well, what is your husband not providing for you, or what voids are going unfulfilled in your life that you want to seek out other connections with men? Can you? rebuttal me on that like I, I want you to explain yeah. to me like because that's where our mind goes right and I'm speaking on behalf of you know people who may not be as open to this um d- describe that to me okay so one of the things that happens for me is my partner is freaking awesome okay. he is he is amazing he's sensitive he's you know gorgeous and tall and built and he's all the things so yeah, yeah what the hell do I need <laughs> I mean yeah he is all the things and he's a good earner and he's an amazing father and I technically on paper need nothing mm-hmm. and I guess that's true, except humans are individuals. And so much like, you know, my best friend is also awesome, but I have other friends. Mm-hmm. So Ken isn't missing anything. I'm not missing anything by having only him in my life. But sometimes people come into my my awareness. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like I was recently dating somebody who was a musician and um, just approached life very, very differently, had mm-hmm. a different mind. All of a sudden, my ideas, my heart was lit up in a different way. And I was thinking in a different way. It wasn't about what I could get from this other person, but what parts of me lit up differently. And so, yeah, I wasn't missing anything, but there, much like when I had my second child and I was like, oh, there is still more room for me to discover and learn. My heart can keep growing. I don't feel the limitation is some of that passion coming from, right, the, the newness, right? They say, um, you know, no sure. one intended that variety is the spice of life. Um, is some of that passion coming from it being a new person? Yeah, sure. New relationship energy is a thing. We, okay. in, in the polyamorous world, we call it NRE, right? New relationship energy is real. And to a degree, some people are out there and they just kind of are always looking for that new relationship energy Mm -hmm. and other people really love ERE, established relationship energy. Um, And some people like a balance. I really like a balance of that. And yes, it is often about that hit of energy you're getting. And that also comes at a cost. 
because it, it can be really, it can be sort of over, it can almost be anxiety producing mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. be caught in that swell of like, oh my gosh, I'm having all the flutters and I want all the things. And I, so there's some management, there's some psychological maturity required to say, yeah, I can have that flush of newness and still I can come back and like actually use that energy within myself rather than point it out, rather than assume it's actually out there. It's actually coming from me. So we're going to go a little bit more. Um, your husband sounds like he provides like safety, security. That's, you know, one of the benefits that come with marriage. Um, if you're in a healthy relationship, <laughs> then yeah. you go and you seek out or, um, you know, you cross paths with uh, people who you have some chemistry with, some, some um, connections are made, some passion is ignited. Do you think that there's a possibility that you create that own passion in your relationship and therefore don't need to be as open to outside exploration? Absolutely. So for me, this isn't about needing. I don't actually think I need any relationships personally. Um, I could be just totally fine on my own. Every relationship is about exploring something unique with that person. I could absolutely turn all of my attention to focus. And in fact, during COVID, I did. Um, we were both not seeing anyone right when it happened. And we were like, okay, uh, we have to make a decision. And it was an easy decision. We just sort of closed down and we were like, okay, carry on. So for two, almost two years, we were just kind of in the trenches mm -hmm. with just each other. And it was great. It was wonderful. And when things started to open, what I noticed was other parts of me could sort of come back online. Like, oh yeah, that part that just likes to flirt that part that likes to go out and dance and not worry about whether I'm following every single rule and whether I'm going to, that part does not actually need to go to sleep in mm. this relationship. Um, you know, it's not for everyone. Some yeah. people truly want that unique one connection and they feel it. And if monogamy works for you, awesome. I'm, I will celebrate that all day long. And if it doesn't, then I want people to, to do their non-monogamy in a way that still keeps them like flourishing with some growth oriented relationships. Cause just hopping from, from one new relationship to another over the course of 20 years, it's not just safety and security you'll miss out on. It's also like actually becoming more you because you just keep presenting a new face to that new person. Right. I want all of it. I want the safety, the security, but also like deep, profound exchange. But with that, doesn't that come um, an exchange of energy, right? And you are almost collecting and evolving based on external energies, energies that are not within your household and your family, but that are presenting new. So it almost sounds like um, while it's fun and exciting, doesn't it present um, some negative risks when it comes to letting essentially like new relationships and strangers that you have to form relationship with into your heart, into your life? It does. I would say it comes with risks the same way. Um, so I, when I set out on my journey to, to get my PhD, like everything in my life changed. I started traveling across the country five times a year, spending a couple of weeks away five times a year. Everything changed. I started to change. People were asking new things of me. I was evolving. My partner was not, he was mm. doing the, the home-based stuff and he was with the kids and he was doing, it was definitely a time when there was a huge risk 
that I might change in a way that made us no longer very compatible or at least feel compatible. Yeah. And so one of the things we had to do was come back over and over again to, okay, are we, are we continually learning who each other is right now? And it's that same feeling for me, a new person, that is my opportunity to, to bring in energy and then remember that I decide what to do with that energy. I don't just let everybody's energy. So I had a partner once that was just a flake and a half. And it took me a minute to figure this out. And that energy was really draining for my household. And while I was figuring it out, yeah, there was some risk, some cost. And on the other side of it was me drawing boundaries and learning that I don't have to let everybody in mm. just because I'm attracted to them. So it also really upped my ability to be discerning, which made it easier for me to make friends too. Not just my sexual partners, but yeah. my friendships became more solid. So give me this conversation. It's like a, it's a Thursday night and you uh, met someone. How do you present this to your husband and children? Like, Hey guys, mommy met someone at a bar, catch you later. Like, what does this conversation look like before you go out on a date with somebody else? Okay. So there are two different conversations that need to happen. One is the opening up conversation. Like we are currently monogamous and we want to transition. And that is a whole move. Do not attempt this at home without some help and guidance, <laughs> please. I am a coach doing this and there are lots of others out there please get some assistance because you can screw this up so big and you do not want to have a person in mind already when you start. Mm. You want to start from a place of like, no, I want to explore this. Don't go get your eyes all over somebody else first. That is almost guaranteed to be the hardest path forward. Then there is the conversation that I have in my house where, yeah, it's Thursday night and I'm going out because my, my girlfriend, I, I, I'm bisexual, so I date everybody. Um, so I'm going out. And in our house, what that looks like is my, my husband has my Google calendar. So he knows when I'm not going to be home. Mm. Um, so I'll probably have mentioned it earlier in the day, but he also can see my calendar. And then it looks like me getting dressed up. And so the kids are like, Oh, going out. I'm like, yeah, I am. Who are you going with? Oh, I'm going Joe. Okay, cool. Have fun. That's it. That's all it sounds like because they already understand oh, wow. how this works in our house. In fact, some of them really enjoy it. They love it. One of them will help me do my, I cannot curl my eyelashes to save my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So they're, they, they get it. Like it's just, and in fact, none of them is, it really has shown any inclination to open relating for themselves, but all of them are like, this is, this is mom. This is just how mom is. This is, this is her life. So what did that conversation look like when you first explained it to your kids, right? Because I'm sure, um, you know, children are, are impressionable, so, but you're saying yeah. that they aren't necessarily exploring open relationships yet for themselves. But what does that look like when you now have to explain to them like, hey, mommy likes daddy, but mommy also likes six other people. Like what, what how right. did you first present that to the kids? Yeah. So um, my kids have grown up with it by and large. Like it's been part of their lives since they were small enough that what it really looks like is the same way good sex education looks like. Mm. You just start talking about this. Like it's completely normal. You use the correct words for things. You don't go calling things hoo-hahs. You say the <laughs> words and you let them take it in at the speed and pace that is natural for them. So one of my kids figured out what this all meant and had made sense of it in her brain when she was like 11. She's like, okay, I, I got it. Another one. Oh yeah. He was like 15 and it dawned on him like, oh, that's 
that's what you mean. We had been telling these kids the same things the whole time. Yeah. But what it means inside them, you know, that's just, that's just part of continually having conversations about open relating as one of the reasonable options out there. And remembering that not to stigmatize monogamy either, because monogamy is a great fit for lots of people and might be a great fit for them. So just like I don't stigmatize other genders, other sexualities, mm-hmm. I just rem- remind myself, like, they get to learn about me. So I, I also answer their questions, but I answer them mm. without sharing gory details. <laughs> like nobody wants to know about their mom's sex. <laughs> They're like, mom, gross. Like, oh. yeah, like, please just know, just know. Now you no. mentioned <laughs> earlier that you are bisexual, which means um, that you, uh, you are getting, I'm sure like fabulous dates with men and women. You are enjoying all the delicious flavors of the world. Um, yes. Is the same true? And are you comfortable with your husband doing the same? Is he too bisexual yeah. and he's able to explore? He is actually. So, um, and my husband's out, like he's, he's very out, he's queer. Um, and his experience was not knowing that he was until he was well into his forties. Mm. And it wasn't until we were really exploring um, polysexuality. We were out at swinger parties and things. And he was like, oh, oh, um, I'm going to go over there with him. So I guess I am by, <laughs> you know, I mean, men aren't really encouraged to explore yeah. this. Right. And he, he's very clear. He's like, I'm not gay. He loves women. And he loves women's bodies. Um, we both dated across the gender spectrum. And what we've noticed is that both of us are attracted to people and the way their energy feels. Yeah. And so I don't really care what you got in your pants. If I'm into your energy, yeah. let's just, let's just do what feels right. And then there's a whole bunch of conversations about what feels right. To both people. To so people. say something does feel right, right? You guys um, have experienced like acting on your desires. Uh, what happens though, when you love someone else is, do you guys have permission for that? Is that, is that something that you're comfortable with? If he decides like, I do love you, but I also love um, him or her. I do, you know, like what does that feel like? And what does that look like for you guys? Yeah. So I'm a big believer that none of us can control the, the feeling of love. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's going to happen. Feelings happen. Emotions happen. We can choose how we act on them. So, you know, I always have that ability, but in our life, the way it works is of course, you're welcome to have all of your feelings. Of course, all of your feelings are valid. How you decide to act on love. You know, if for instance, um, I make it very clear that we're not available to have any other adults move into our house until our youngest child is 18. Mm. Um, And that's because we did live with a third adult for two and a half years. Mm. And when it didn't work out, everybody was really sad. Like the kids were sad. It was, it was hard. Right. So, so we made a boundary around that to just give ourselves a, a break from a particular way that love can go. But as far as the feelings, yeah, we've both been in love with other people and I find that that's actually additive because what it does is it helps me remember that this really is about being present to who my partner is now. Mm. And I've also been present. Well, actually it happened last summer. I was broken up with four times in a row. It was like harsh and I hadn't, it was just post COVID. Right. So I like, (laughs) I lost love interest after love interest. And Mm. one of them I was deeply in love with. I was really, really in love with. And he was, Ken was so patient with me. And so present to the fact that this was real love and that his love for me didn't make it go away. Didn't make the pain go away. He was just present to the fact that I was experiencing loss. 
and I couldn't possibly ask for something more to deepen the love we actually had at home. Right. I, I was like, wow, he just, he was so present. So that's how we handle it. It's yes. And yes. And there will be boundaries and yes. And I will be present to all of your feelings. And when I can't, I will let you know that boundary. If I can't be present to this, well, I mean, I don't think that anyone should stay. I don't want anyone to stay with me because they feel they have to. I want them to stay because they want to. Okay, so I've heard so I've heard that argument, right? I'm very familiar with that. But what about the um, couple that uh, is maybe in a relationship and partner um, now wants to present um, opening the relationship to others? The other notion that comes to mind is. Um, well, this is not what I signed up for. I signed up for a yes. committed relationship. You want an open relationship. And quite frankly, you just are greedy and have desires. You just want more than what you signed up for, right? Because that's that's usually where the mind goes. That's is what that, it feels like. Yeah, that's yeah. what it feels like. Um, yeah. So what would you say to them? What advice would you have for them? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is, even though it feels like your partner changed a whole lot. The thing that we are most likely to misunderstand about ourselves psychologically is that we change a lot too, but we see ourselves as stable and we see others as unstable. This is just a psychological bias. Like we know we've already proven it. We don't need to go down that road. We know it's present. So as your partner has been changing, you may not have been keeping up and they may not have been keeping up with you. So you might've actually wound up pretty far apart in your wants and desires. And yeah, now all of a sudden they're asking for something that's way outside the boundaries. I want to say this. First off, just because they're asking to open up doesn't necessarily mean they want to act on it. There are a lot of ways that people, I take people through a whole year process where we mm. unwind. What do you mean? Do, because some people, what they mean is they want to be able to share their fantasies. They want to be able to talk freely. They, maybe they want to be able to, to be flirtatious in that gregarious way that they always were and they've been keeping locked down. Yeah. But they, maybe they're okay keeping like really strict boundaries around where their penis goes. Maybe they're okay. Like we don't know what they want until we start untangling the words that we're using. And it is completely as 100% reasonable to say, I hear you, hun. I hear that you want this. And this does not sound like something I'm interested in. So what are we going to do now? Because holding someone to an earlier promise, it's all well and good until you find out you're 20 years into a relationship where there's the love is all sucked out dry. Cause yeah. I don't want that either. It's, it's, it's a miserable spot, right? Cause in that moment, it feels like just go back to the way you were, we could be happy, <laughs> but going back is not really a thing humans do. Hmm. We don't go back. Yeah. We go forward. So, but you might be able to find a new normal in which your partner doesn't need to be open in ways that make you feel threatened, but can be honest with you about what they're feeling and what they're going through. In your personal relationship, did you both know that you wanted an open relationship prior and that's how you guys like connected? You both were like, you're into open relationships, I'm into open relationships, or did it look like one of you presenting it to the other? So we were both married to other people. Okay. Um, he was, and he was in an open relationship and I was not. And when I presented it to my then husband. My husband was like, oh no, 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 that will not work for me. And it meant we split and it was 
hard. And it was, and I watch him now. He's now had another child with another woman. He's married very, 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 very happily. And I think, wow, I'm really glad. It was miserable when we split because mm. I wanted something else, but he wouldn't have the life that he actually deserves, which is one that is very monogamous and very, very different from the trajectory I was on. Incredibly different. It was the catalyst for our split, but the split was coming anyways, because mm -hmm. we were not actually, we were no longer really partners who wanted to be together. Mm. I rarely find that it's a person who breaks another person up. Like, it's not like, it's not the interrupter. It's not the thing we imagine. Mm -hmm. It's that, it's that we no longer have what we want at home. And that, you know, you can remediate that. Like I could have, I can totally imagine going back to that earlier version of myself and saying, okay, no, are you, now wait, look directly at your husband. Do you still want him? And my answer at first was yes. And I tried and we could not get together on the, the answer because his rule was he wanted me to have no other feelings. He wanted me to deny the part of myself that was struggling deeply with, okay, I get it. I'm married. I want to deal with this. He didn't want to hear any of it. He did not want to hear it. And that meant I was cutting off more and more parts of myself. And that actually closed us down more and more to each other. The struggle was that he couldn't actually accept me as I was, even though I was saying, I'm going to control my behavior. I will control my behavior. But these feelings, ah, help somebody help me. Was he aware that, so were you currently having a, a relationship with your ex or I guess he would be yeah. um, your husband? <laughs> like, were you currently in relationship? So your, your current husband was married to someone else, right? Were you both having an affair with each other? His wife though knew, so it wasn't technically an affair. Your husband did or did not know. Was it an affair? So no, it was not. And here's how I can tell you. The, the first night I knew I had any feelings, I went home, I jumped in the shower with my husband. I was like, oh my God, guess what? I thought he'd be fine with it. And here's why. I'm bisexual. I had fallen mm -hmm. for girlfriends over and over and over again. And we always talked about it. We, it was part of like the norm. Like I would talk about it. He would talk about it. I thought it would be the same. I know that's very naive, but in fact, for him, that was the line. The line was one penis and mm. I don't experience love that way. So it was really confusing to me. It was very confusing. So I'm yeah. like, but I, how is this different? I'm not saying I'm going to do anything. I'm saying I have all these feelings. How is it different? And so the shock for me was, oh, it ground the gears. So I was like, now I need to deny part of myself. But before I had incorporated these crushes, these little, these little flutters, mm -hmm. I incorporated them by bringing them back to my husband and saying like, ah, look at this, this is so fun. And this one didn't have any place to go. And, and what happened was over time, as we broke, it only took about 45 days to break us completely, which was, oh, wow. it's awful, but it was, it was fast and brutal. But what happened was then, since my now husband mm -hmm. was in an open relationship, she was like, sure, come on in. Okay, cool. Like we already do this. So, so you joined whatever. that relationship. I did. I did. And then what and that, led to their demise? Because she was allowing him that space and energy to have other relationships. He has relationship with you. How did she get out of the picture? See, there's where I think most people misunderstand open relationships. Their relationship 
was open, right? So this is why it's not all about sex. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't about sex right there. He had everything he could possibly want, right? But they were still growing apart. They were not doing the deep emotional exchanges. And I was, then I was up close and present for it. So I was like very aware of what was going on. Mm. They weren't doing the deep emotional exchanges. They weren't reinforcing the fact that they also had a relationship and they weren't making clear, explicit agreements. What they were doing was relying on implicit assumptions of Mm. how relationships worked. And so every time something went, was just going unspoken, they were actually growing further apart. And over the course of the next three years, it was just the end. And eventually she filed for divorce and, and then all of us broke up and it, it was sad, but the demise again, just like in my partnership, it was about no longer actually sharing who we were. And so before you know it, we didn't actually know who we were married to that. I wouldn't recommend to anybody. I don't care how many partners you have. This is your life is uh, a movie. Um, it is it's, a, it's a bit much. <laughs> no, but like, this is much. so fascinating. I'm listening to this and I like can envision it all in my head. Um, for you guys listening, I'm sure you can see like clear pictures as she's storytelling. And this is so fascinating because I feel like I'm such extreme opposite. I'm so possessive. I'm, um, you know, madly in love with my husband and I can't imagine um, wanting or let me not say wanting because we all have desires. I can't imagine being comfortable with, him being open to um loving another woman the way he loves me right like if he came home and told me he was heartbroken over another woman and I had to comfort him I don't I'm not I don't know if it's like my womanhood or I'm not as much woman as you but uh I'm not that big of a person so I love that you own um who you are so much and and as do I I own that like that I am you know pro 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 um uh, exclusivity and commitment, understanding that yeah. we are humans, but I'm huge for, um, discipline. I feel like, um, it, what's, it's what makes us superior to animals. And if we give in to every desire of our heart, while that feels and sounds good, an abundance of too much of anything, um, can be harmful. And I think that like, I love hearing this because it's, um, it's not just educating me as well in my audience, but like it is giving another perspective of like this other life that does sound like you are happy and you know it's it's you know working out beautifully and everybody uh, is finding love with you know other people. Like there is this other world to exist and we don't have to be so closed-minded about this. But I want you to finish your story and tell me like, so how did you and him get married then? So the, the three of you guys break up. Yeah. And your advice or what you said mentioned earlier was that like, you shouldn't have somebody else in mind. Should you decide to like explore an open relationship, but you and your, I guess, boo that you broke up with at the time winds up getting married. Yep. How did that happen? So, yeah. So it almost didn't. We, I consider us soulmates and I don't even really totally believe in soulmates, but here we are. Like I touched <laughs> like, his I damn I name on me. <laughs> oh, it's just awful. We are definitely in that category of people who we were just going to cycle around each other. I was aware of the fact that we were going to be around each other. And in fact, I've known him my whole life. I've known him literally my whole life. So I could have married him much earlier. I had no idea I even found him anything but annoying as hell. Um, what happened was after he got divorced, 
And we were just living, like, we're just living day to day. Like, okay, well, we had all been living together. So now we're still living together. We're just making life work. We owned a business. We owned a CrossFit together. Um, you know, it was just life to have. And the biggest elephant in the room was that neither one of us could ever talk about marriage. We had just completely, we had decided in our hubris and our childishness to blame marriage for our failures in earlier mm. relationships. And this was a huge mistake because it cut us off from the thing we wanted the most. And so what happened, we almost broke up over the ensuing six months after his divorce. We came close to break up, oh, probably every two weeks. It was, it was awful. And it wasn't even loud. It was just this like gnawing, oh my God, I, what are we going to do? This isn't going to work. And one day, um, September 9th, 2012, I decided that it was put up or shut up. And I didn't care that I was playing with fire. I quietly said to him, I know this probably means the end, but I just want to be married. And he said, oh my God. And he swept me up on top of him in bed. And he's like, that's all I want to. And so we were engaged. And then became the process of, okay, are we, now are we going to do the monogamy thing now? If we're so into this, like, is that actually the right route for us? And we, we tried that out for a year. And we realized, no, we actually really like being open. We just needed to do it in a really conscious way. And we hadn't done that the first time. So I learned the really hard way how not to do this. And then wound up with somebody who could be patient in rebuilding a really, truly secure foundation from which we can explore anything. So this is, this is so fascinating to me. Like, I, I'm so proud of you two for being so open to your testimony and sharing this with us. Um, so I thank you. I thank you and, and, and bravo for all that you do for helping couples who want to make this transition. Like, this is incredible. And I love that it, it, you speak from a place of actual real life experience. There's a lot of people out there that are helping people, giving out advice, um, helping with transitions like these and in every facet and gamut of relationship, right? Um, who don't actually take their advice and aren't living it. Um, so it, it doesn't help in my perspective with credibility when you can give advice and you can't take it. So I love that you have real life experience, testimonies and the education to support the help that you're making or the help that you have for couples transitioning. Um, but like to your experience, someone listening, um, me would say like, <laughs> You guys, both in, in both previous marriages, whether it was um, agreed upon or not agreed upon, to now go explore an open relationship, um, both partners who, you know, um, your, your current husband's ex-wife thought that it was safe to allow him to explore other women. And your ex-husband thought, hey, it's safe to allow my wife to explore other women. Um, but both of them lost two people who they loved, who they thought they were going to spend the rest of their lives with because they, not 100% because they allowed it for the open relationship because they didn't, but wouldn't some people argue that they opened up or you guys opened up a can of worms by permitting um, this behavior to take place by signing up or agreeing to this? I think that anybody who's there. Yeah, I think anybody who argued against that would be lying. Of absolutely, we opened Pandora's okay. box. <laughs> okay. Opened our own. Absolutely. And the thing that I find most reassuring is that in fact, 
most of us are going to do that at some point in our relationships Mm. anyways. And in my, in my now husband's case, in Ken's case, um, he'd been open for many years, 20 years before that. And it had gone fine and they still grew apart. Um, my husband and I went out on two dance floors and all of a sudden found ourselves completely devolving into divorce. <laughs> I mean, literally just two dance floors with a little grinding. And that was, the, that was it. Everything fell apart. So the thing is, there is no good way to find out that you no longer want to put in the effort to stay mm. in your relationship. It's going to suck. But what I typically see is that people who can acknowledge that they have an, what I call an open door in their mind, sometimes they think about it. Sometimes they think the what if, sometimes they allow that. I, I heard what you said about discipline. And I think, yeah, for some people, the discipline of holding that door mm-hmm. closed and being like, nope, this is my structure. For some people that works really, really well. And they actually go deeper in their relating. And for some people that feels like killing themselves. Mm. And for those people, and I don't necessarily think that's all people. I'm not one of these people who thinks that polyamory is more evolved. I think that it's another way to exist in the world. Mm. But for those people that when they slam the door shut on themselves over and over again, start to feel dead inside, Mm -hmm. all that happens is they wind up living inside an already dead marriage, not Mm. a disciplined marriage, but a dead marriage. Mm. And I say that with confidence because that's exactly how Ken describes his experience of living inside a marriage where, yep, he had all the sexual freedom he wanted. He had Mm -hmm. all the emotional freedom he wanted and still dead inside the marriage. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. So I want people to consciously design the relationship that is right for them and to get clear on that before they go, yeah, just walking into walls like I did. <laughs> and we should consciously design the relationship for us anyways, even prior to um, marriage, you know, like that's, those should be conversations yes. that we have and, you know, with healthy communication, period, regardless of whether yes. we're talking monogamy, non-monogamy, like we should be having these, you know, very open conversations, asking all the questions that we want um, and using our imagination. What if scenarios, right? Um, I want to speak a little bit about gender. So, um, do we find in your community or in, um, this, uh, culture, right. That it's a disproportionate amount of males requesting open relationship versus female. Okay. So that's an interesting question. It is disproportionately represented in the media presentation of what we see. However, the latest studies we're seeing come as so I'm a research psychologist first. Give it to me because I love research. Studies, I want to back this right? up with some data. <laughs> right. So the data shows us that in fact, women are happier once the relationship is open. Like the women who go, go down that road, they're the ones who are like, oh, hell yeah, I'm doing this. Their husbands then may want to shut the door and be like, no, 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 never mind, never mind they actually are quite happy. And Mm. the numbers are going up every year. The numbers keep going up about how many women are interested in and want to explore open relating. And if you think about it, just logically, I mean, we are really good at multitasking. Mm -hmm. Men often tend not to be (laughs) to some degree. To Which some is why degree, they always get caught when they set. try to step out. <laughs> exactly. To some degree, we're just, we're really well suited to managing it. We're, we're, we are. And yet um, also it's about what is available to us. You know, the more we can freely express our wants and desires without being shamed for them, the more we're going to find out what women actually want. 
You know, I don't think we know what women wanted 50 years ago. But it sounds like what you're saying, though, is like, according to um, uh, relationships that have women who are now um, open to this, they now receive a certain level of satisfaction. But when we speak about like data, I want to, I want to know, is it more men presenting the idea than women? So men- Not level of satisfaction, but who's presenting it? Who's presenting the idea? Frequently, men are the ones bringing it up if it's about, hey, can we have a third? Hey, can we, hey, can we have a threesome? Hey, can we, when it's about, hey, could we open this on an emotional level? Mm-hmm. No, it's more women who are bringing mm-hmm. it up, right? And this is just a sort of, we're, we have to really get down to statistical averages here because we're all unique. Yeah. But- when when men do bring it up often it's it they there is this imagination that there there'll be this like one guy two girls like here's the here's the picture right <laughs> and that's not necessarily what the women are looking for so to some extent it's about stretching the imagination beyond this very narrow image of like yep we'll just have we'll just have a threesome and I'll get all the attention and the and these two girls will serve me open relationships is so much bigger than that yes men do tend to bring it up more but usually they mean in sort of a a surface way when we're talking about people who want to transform their relationship Mm -hmm. structure no that's a much more even or tilted over toward women okay so now let's talk then about um I don't want to say success rate, right? But let's, when it comes to like the dating community, right? Because I help um, couples, but I also help singles very often when it comes to manifesting their purpose mate, um, meeting their soulmate, um, the love of their life. Men, because they are hunters, um, usually in, in, in pursuit um, when it comes to the courtship process, usually studies show will move on quicker, um, have more, you know, time to date. Um, women usually wind up taking the children, also having less time to explore. So when it comes to now marriage and open relationship being presented, I would imagine that it would be very similar in accessibility to candidates that he wants to explore with versus women. Yeah, it's the opposite, actually. It's yes, much easier to date. I'm more <laughs> yum. Let me know. Yeah. It's the opposite. And um, you can actually, you can imagine this pretty simply. (laughs) Yeah. So get yourself on a dating app and be a 40, I'll be 46 next week. Be a 46 year old woman with seven kids and, you know, be looking good, you know, putting it together and say, Hey, I'm open. Hit me up. Plenty Mm -hmm. of gentlemen and ladies do feel free to hit me up, whether they are looking for a long-term thing or a short-term thing. Now, my husband is freaking gorgeous. He's just beautiful. He's, he's stunning. And he has all the things. And he's a physicist. And he's a computer scientist and all the things. And it is way harder for him to date. Because, in fact, many people imagine a bit of predatoriness to him. They mm. imagine that he's just looking to rack up notches on a headboard. Mm. Or they imagine that they need their one and only. And so he can't be that. Yeah. So it's actually much harder Uh, and he has to put in much more effort (laughs) got it you know what you bring up such a great point 
Um, because if you are opening yourself to men are going to be more comfortable, right. With like exploring a relationship with you, um, with the potential of not having necessarily an attachment where us as women may be looking at him like, well, no, I want to start my family. I want to start my life. And you can't give that to me if you're married already. So yes. let me move on to the next. I'm not as open right. to just like sharing in a one night stand or sexual experience. Um, Okay. So I, I love that I'm having this conversation with you because you bring up just some like great, great points um, that we overlook or we don't think about. Right. right. We imagine like right. our husband or our partner presents that to us and we're like, well, crap, now I got to put myself out there. You know, this is how I'm imagining it. Like I have to open myself back up and, you know, we should be one. Cause you mentioned like making yourself look good. We should be doing that on a regular basis anyways, like pouring into our self-care. Um, yep. So that shouldn't be like the fear or concern. But I can imagine a ton of women being like, shoot, being vulnerable with other men when it's already maybe hard, you know, to have been vulnerable with my husband um, was already challenging. Now I have to do this again for others. So I can see them talking themselves out of it. And and that's where my concern would be. Yeah. And my experience has been that when I'm working with women, when I'm working with couples, the women often are really nervous about putting themselves out there because dating, especially when you're trying to get into that, like, I'm going to have my life mate and I'm going to have children and I'm going to do all the things. We're looking for a set of things. When you go out, when I go out to date or when many of my clients go out to date, what they're looking for is someone who lights them up, someone who has something interesting to talk about, someone who's body lights them up, what anything, but that person does not need to be everything. They can just be someone who you find interesting. Just like when I go to meet a friend, I don't need that friend to absolutely categorically fit every single need I have. And so there's a real relaxedness that I see, especially when women just sort of sit back and go, wait, I can actually, I can say yes or no to any interaction because I'm, I'm already filled. I'm just going to, and so they wind up with the pick of the litter, whatever they want. I love that you um, are referencing the example of like friendships, right? Because I'm a huge advocate for when you get in a relationship, you need to make sure that you um, nurture your friendships. Like don't cut your friends off. Make sure that you have a plethora because your husband can't be your everything. But you're comparing marriage um, or this exclusivity to partnership to friendship. But when it comes to friendship, the investment looks different. While there is an emotional connection and attachment, I'm not buying homes with my friends. I'm not breeding with my friends. Um, my friends don't run the risk of STDs um, giving to STDs me. STDs for the uh, yep. My friends don't um, run the risk of, while they can publicly humiliate me, um, they we, we don't run that risk of, um, they keep a secret from me and it might not necessarily be a, a game changer or a life changer the way that if my you know partner does. Um, there's so much more, I feel like, invested in the romantic relationship um, than when it comes to like friendships, right? Right. So that's when we're when we're thinking about um, marriage and and romantic relationships with that mono lens, absolutely. Because then the monogamous that connection that is everything. It's an it's the all in one model of relationships. They should really be the whole package for you. And then you need to go all in and be that for them. Like you really need to show up fully. And then you're going to make a lot of decisions. You're going to be exclusive in a lot of areas, financial, children, all these things. You're going to be exclusive. What I'm talking about is deciding exactly where I want to be exclusive and where Mm -hmm. I want to be expansive. 
And so mm. I actually deconstruct what my marriage looks like. So for us, for instance, um, we have a house together, but um, I could also own property with someone else. We made a, oh, a wow. real decision about that, right? Yeah, we made a decision. We made a decision to keep some of our money separate from each other in part because we've both been divorced and we recognized what it was to have everything combined. So some of it is separate. There's, there are actually a million ways that we might choose to have expansive aspects of our relationship, but most people take for granted that, that everything will be exclusive in that monogamous romantic connection. And again, if it works for you, awesome. But in fact, what it, if you do that consciously, great, but most of us do it by default. And if we do it by default without thinking through like, oh, actually is my, can my husband just go invest all of our money in a particular way? Like he's, can he all of it? Or does like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> there are so many ways we need to talk about where do we spend our time? Who's in charge of what time gets spent where? How, how are we exclusive with our child rearing? How much will our friends, the friends, the aunties, the uncles, the grandparents, how much will they be invested in child rearing in our yeah. household? And we got to have all those conversations. And if you do, then whether you're mono or poly won't matter. Like if you have those conversations, you're yeah. going down a good track. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, just your openness um, with your partnership is just so incredible to me. We are living 100% different lives and I love it. I love that you found happiness in how you constructed and formed, you know, your lifestyle with your partner and, um, you know, me as well. I currently run the Spicy Life consulting firm with my husband. And if he presented to me, hey, babe, so I just want to let you know, I'm going to um, start another business with another woman to open up a relationship coaching company. And by the way, I'm in love with her. I do you know that I would go to jail? Like I would kill him. Yeah, so I, I love that. that you're so like open-minded about how he's spending his money and how, you know, and, and I'm sure you guys are having full-fledged conversations about this, but I don't think that when we hear open relationship, we don't think about how important like this form of communication, you know, and I, and I preach communication all day long, but I think that because we can barely even master communication tools in our monogamous relationship, that opening it up to you know a, a um a polyamorous relationship is that that would just be extremely even more challenging right if you haven't mastered that skill set with one how are you going to master that with like multiple right right i think when people consider this what they should think about is how can i be having these deeper conversations with the person i'm with now and as I do, just ask yourself this one question, rather than ask whether you want to open your relationship or, or keep it closed, think where do we want to be exclusive and where do we want to be expansive? Because for each person, it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. And it may be that the only places you want to be expansive are very narrow in range. Maybe you want to be expansive in, in your friendships. Maybe their friendships can go deeper than other people might consider appropriate or okay. Maybe like me, you make a decision to make your finances a place where you're allowed to be expansive. Mm -hmm. It could be so many different ways, but if you're having the conversations, then you're going to create a life, like you just said, that actually fits you. Just actually fits. And I love that. something every five seconds and I'm like, Ooh, so like, 
does he have a budget for because he's he is um i imagine the um male in the relationship that's probably you know since he's going out he's venturing out does he have a budget for what he's spending on his courtship of other women and men and do you have a budget of like what you're spending courting women and men like what does that dynamic look like like you guys are allotting like five to seven hundred dollars a month on like dating what does that look like outside of your as exclusivity since that doesn't exist in your courtship process yeah so it depends on what's going on in our life like right now we're building a house so mm -hmm. both of us are putting most of our finances into that house that's that's where it's mostly going but one of the things that we do is each of us has we have separate accounts and we manage that mm. and so if that means i don't feel like spending a lot on courtship right now then that actually just means i go on a lot more dates that are like let's go hike up mount tom let's go <laughs> let's go do this right i just i just plan accordingly right and when and when i feel good about where i'm spending my money then i'll just i'll drop it on hotels no problem like left and right and he can do the same. And what happens is, yeah, we absolutely have budgets the same way we do for hobbies, the same way we do for, you know, all sorts of different activities. I mean, I went to grad school. It cost a pretty penny. Yeah. There was a lot of talking about like, okay, are we going to drop like $175,000? And it was, yep, some of this is shared and some of this is mine. Mm -hmm. um, I own a company. He works for me inside this company. Mm -hmm. He owned a company before and I worked for him inside that company. Mm. So we had to get clear about how those finances worked too. And when it comes to courtship, a lot of times people imagine that that will feel different, but my primary research, my academic research is mm -hmm. in jealousy. And what I find is that we imagine jealousy. Mm -hmm. We imagine like our yeah. jealousy so much bigger than it has to be. So finance is another, is another place where we can like let our mind like spiral up and create a big story when it might just be that our husband wants to spend his money in a certain way. And we might decide, well, okay, that's your budget and stick throw, to your budget. Throw some spicy tips my way then. Um, if you're, uh, so knowledgeable in jealousy. I want you to give us some, how do we conquer jealousy? How do we uh, manage jealousy, right? If yeah. that is something that you really feel like is gonna come up in the relationship, um, yep. how, do you, how do you process that? Sure, so the first thing we can think about is um, the jealousy triangle is made of three parts, right? It's me, my beloved, and my perceived interrupter, the one mm -hmm. who will interrupt. That could be a real person, but it can also be totally imaginal. Instagram creates perceived interrupters all the time. Once you identify a jealousy triangle, what you want to figure out is what exactly is it that you're afraid is going to be interrupted and mm -hmm. turn your attention to that person. Because so many of us, especially us women, we are swept, our gaze is swept aside to the third, to the interrupter, mm -hmm. that perceived interrupter, right? We spend all of our attention being mad or sad and really going crazy trying to stop that yeah. and forget to bring us back to wait i want to reinforce the connection i have with my partner not punishment i want to reinforce i'm having a jealous feeling so rather than pointing at my partner and saying you have to change what you're doing or going getting into a bar fight with somebody because i imagine that they're interrupting i want to turn my erotic sensual and emotional self to my partner and reinvest in that relationship in a way so that we go deeper because je jealousy can be an invitation into deeper intimacy. Mm. If I recognize that it's actually just information, it's telling me I care deeply about this person. Turn that attention back to the person you care about. I love this because I already know that some people are going to feel like, well, you guys, it sounds like you're saying reward bad punishment, reward him for 
you know, having wandering eyes or for, you know, tapping that heart on IG or, you know, sliding through her DMs. What would you say to that? What I would say is whenever I hear somebody talk to me about rewarding, um, I'm reminded right away that they have moved out of real emotional connection into transactional relating. Mm. And that is, that is just automatically going down a bad path. So if you want off of that nasty ride, because that is a nasty ride for you to be on, then disengage from the idea that you are rewarding or punishing. We're not, that you're not a behavioral psychologist trying to like train a pigeon to peck at a certain <laughs> lever, right? You, you want an emotional relationship with this person. So re-engage with them like they are an emotional creature and, and start creating a flow of energy between you two. And when it comes to the whole, like, monitoring their social media behavior. Oh, I deal with that so really... much with my clients. Please speak on that. Yes. Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. You can monitor till the cows come home. That is not going to help you feel better. It will not help you feel better. It's essentially fueling that part of you that feels like you are going to lose your beloved connection, right? Mm. So you fuel that all day long. Where do you want to spend your energy? Do you want to spend your energy focused on this perceived interruption? Or do you want to focus on actually strengthening the relationship? Not to mention the fact that there's some really deep misunderstandings that happen. Like not all Instagram hearts are the same. I click like on a lot of stuff that is just like randomly like, yeah, sure. Kind of, I like that. But if we're talking, let's say worst case scenario, we're talking about my guy is always, always with the beautiful breasts. Like he just cannot stop tapping on them. They are all marked up, right? Cool. Um, let's figure out how we can tap into that energy and bring it home. Let's figure out what's going on. And you might need some help. Like I'm guessing this is a place where you are a great help to people. Like let's bring that same energy and get it back home because it's just energy. It doesn't have to be horrible, but we do have to redirect it at that point. Someone may say though, right? That if, if he's desiring someone else and I'm over here trying to like re-strengthen the intimacy, but he wants to experience someone else, then while they're trying to grasp for straws or, you know, force the, the, the depth and the bond to strengthen, yeah. he wants someone else though. So are they just going to drive themselves mad or insane? Because you mentioned transactional earlier. Um, and I think it sounds great in theory that like yeah. we are these <laughs> super high level humans that don't require reciprocity and we just do it from, you know, the goodness of our heart. But like, oftentimes we, we do want, Hey, in exchange for my heart, I want yours in return in exchange for, you know, my commitment, I want yours. Um, so I think that like that presents an extreme challenge because I don't think we're that as evolved as humans to be able to create that dynamic. Um, but then the other element of like, you know, what you mentioned about like, you know, go inward, like focus on the relationship, I think is going to be extremely hard because now the person has allowed themselves the emotion of hurt and disappointment, knowing that their person wants someone else. And that usually isn't what they need as a motivating factor to encourage them to perform better in the relationship. Right. So here's my, here's my hot take on that. Mm -hmm. It's that 
when you're talking about specifically, let's say social media, does your partner want someone else or are they looking at boobs? These are not the same things. They're not the same things, right? I want to separate these acts out because when I turned my attention, right, to a new boo and I was like, oh, 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 my whole attention. I'm so drawn in. It was to his personality. It was to his energy. It was to everything. Um, but I could appreciate a body. I, I spent all day at a CrossFit gym at that point. I could appreciate a lot of bodies on any given day. So those aren't the same activities. And I think we should be cautious to assume that just because our partner is like looking at bodies, that that means they want another person because yeah, you've already named it. Men tend to be pretty like focused on like one emotional point, mm -hmm. right? In general. So if they are, you probably are that point. And so I just don't want to get distracted by the fact that he may be, yeah, not using the best discipline around where his attention's going and get distracted into the imagination then that this, that this, these clicks, these likes, right? That they're a real person because they're not, and there's no threat to actually, there's nowhere to point that energy to you've imagined and the imagination will take jealousy and it will turn it into a real person. There is no real person. So now uh, you're kind of out of luck. You either have to point energy at yourself, your partner, or an imaginal figure. And the imaginal figures don't care. Nobody, that's just, it's, it's ineffective. So if you can't go to a higher place, could you at the very least relax your grip on, just relax your grip a little bit and see if you can find where your partner is turning their attention to you and maybe you're rebuffing it. Maybe you're actually like, have you built some walls? It's possible. And I've mm. seen this and I, I've seen it up close it in my too. own life. You're right. Right. Where in fact I've built walls and now I'm reinforcing those walls because mm. now I'm imagining that he's imagining someone else. And so now my walls are getting thicker and bigger and it's just getting worse. And so this is one of the tricks that jealousy can play. If we, if we forget that it's, it's information that we care. So let's, let's like bring it back down a notch and say, wait, what if it's not about rewarding him? What if it's about rewarding me? If I want a connection to this person, what if I reward myself with connection to this person? And a lot of people, I mean, we're going through life changes, right? Like if, how is your sex life? I want to know, like, how is your sex life? How is your emotional connection? Sure. But how is the bedroom? Because if you're struggling there, then reach out and get some support for that from a professional because if that's where he's suffering and he doesn't know how to put words to it, so he's just clicking, like, I think that's where you come in. Mm -hmm. I think that's where someone like you come in and say, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's deal with this. Cause all the clicks in the world aren't gonna get him what he wants either. This is true. So in, in, in your situation, um, personal relationship, and then also um, how you coach your clients, talk to me about respect. If our definition of, of, of disrespect is usually right wandering eyes um coming on to someone else like how do you redefine respect in an open relationship when it's usually centered so much about um maintaining you know my and your image as this particular type of couple how do we redefine that yeah it really does take a whole a, a paradigm shift mm. this is about shifting away from the idea that we are presenting our couplehood in a specific way mm -hmm. and shifting into for like for me respect is about is he respecting the relationship agreements that we have in place and 
is he acting that out? Like it, not just is he respecting it in his head and he, like mm -hmm. he can memorize a set of rules. Rules don't matter to me. They don't, they don't help me. Is he acting in accordance with that? In other words, is he prioritizing um, making sure that the children all have what they need? Is he prioritizing showing up for me when I'm sick, even mm. if he had other plans, right? If he's doing those things and if I am doing those things, then that's that's deep respect for me. Okay. And because because we already live outside the lines, like I said, I, I definitely help people color yes, outside the lines. You are coloring because outside the lines, out girl. <laughs> right, because of that, I've had to let go of the fact that other people might imagine that I'm being disrespected when I'm not, because I, my partner is in complete alignment with the relationship we actually agreed to have. And so I feel deeply respected. So mm. it is really about getting super clear on what it is I want, and then looking at what is present instead mm. of what somebody else imagines. Very good. There's Love this. Yeah, that's great. That, that, that's a great way to look at it as this person, you know, behaving in a way that's in alignment with what we discussed. I love that. Um, talk to me once again about data. Um, and I don't know how much there is to support this. Um, I, according to like Gottman um, in a class that I took there, there wasn't a ton yet of research being done on open relationships. But when we speak about the success rate, right, there's already so much so many failed marriages out there does the is there a correlation between opening your relationship and divorce yeah so opening your relationship and divorce i mean that's a really broad way to put it because i mean a lot of people say they're opening their relationship as a way to get a divorce mm. right like this is this is the the this is the door i'm going to open i go through this door i'm going to get myself a divorce because mm. i couldn't think of any other way to ask for it wow um a lot of people also try out opening but they also already have a really cruddy situation going on. So now mm -hmm. they've tried opening and now they're on the way to divorce. Are these actually failed polyamory situations? I don't think so. These, mm -hmm. This is the same monogamous trajectory that happened to pass through Polytown. It's not the same thing. But when we talk about data, the number one thing we have to do is remember that monogamous relationships and polyamorous relationships are not judged by the same um, characteristics. So monogamy is judged by its longevity longevity is the name of the game. Did you make it? Mm -hmm. Did you make it to the 50th wedding anniversary? Yeah. Polyamory, my way of judging it, um, and this is what I wrote in my doctoral dissertation, is how gracefully can we transition between relationship phases and states? How gracefully can I, for instance, transition from lover to co-parent if that's what we decide to do? Mm -hmm. How gracefully can I transition from friend to lover and then perhaps back again? Yeah. You can see that's like a very different. It sounds metric. like it's really hard to quantify an open relationship um, versus Success. a monogamous. Um, so exactly. What about right? Um, and I have so many questions for you. This is so interesting. Uh, I, I feel like um, oftentimes I will hear a, a lot of language from women being used around. I can't get him to be faithful. So I might as well just allow us to have an open relationship. What do you say to those people? Because I feel like that's a cop out. That's not the true desire of your heart. It's that you are yeah. operating from a place of giving up from fear, from um, disappointment. Yeah. And so now you are caving into a desire that he wants when truly, if you had a choice, commitment or non-commitment, you would choose commitment. What do you, what, what about those women? Yeah. So I would never recommend 
anyone let their partner, great big giant air quotes around that, let their partner coerce them into being open, nor let their partner be open. I actually would want to take that whole word, the whole idea of allowing mm. each other to just like, we're going to slash and burn Throw that if we're doing actual open relating. So if you want monogamy, ask for it and then require it. And the thing is, that means you have to allow a relationship to end if it's no longer for you, because a monogamous relationship where you're being cheated on isn't actually monogamous. Like, so it's, so let it be over. Let it be Say over. Say that one more time. <laughs> yeah. If you, and if you want, if you genuinely want to explore what it might be, because you don't know what you want, that's very different from knowing your heart, knowing what you want, and then saying, well, I can't get him to. So I might as well, because I can't get him to. So I might as well sound mm. a lot to me like soul death. That sounds mm. not good. And I, I rarely see people make it out of that with any sense of, of self-esteem and pride intact. Mm. Yeah. Wow. You have dropped so many gems. I want mm. um, people to be able to reach out to you, you know, and, and while this is a, a, a mind blowing conversation. Like I absolutely love talking to you and I could ask you for hours, but I know you have a life, um, people to date, a uh, husband to cater to and children to right? Um, I want to know where people can find you. Can you share with us? Like, how can they get in contact with you? And, um, maybe when's a good point for them to even reach out if they're somewhat considering it. Yeah. Okay. I have a first step everyone should take if you either are listening to this going maybe I am interested in some part of this or if your partner has said uh honey if you've gotten that I want you to go to joliquiz.com j-o-l-i-q-u-i-z take the quiz it's 10 questions I developed it out of my research and that'll tell you how ready you are or whether you need foundations or whether you are just not on board this mm -hmm. is not for you it's okay to not be on board but we want you to know, I don't want you to go along. So go to joliequiz.com and find out where you are in the realm of how ready you are to open up happily. Cause I don't want anybody opening up miserably. And then you can always follow me on TikTok and on Instagram. I'm at, at Dr. Jolie underscore Hamilton. That's J-O-L-I underscore Hamilton, like the musical. And I talk about jealousy on there all the time. So if you've got trouble with jealousy, monogamous or not, definitely want to get over there and just get that info. Beautiful. Do couples ever come to you um, thinking that they want a open relationship and then you realize in the course of coaching them that it's not really for them? Yes, all the time. So I actually am a big fan of something I call creative monogamy, where we go on and explore. We see where you want to be expansive and where you want to be exclusive. And for some people, you walk all the way around, you have these experiments, you explore, and then you come back and you're like, oh, actually, you know what? We want to be exclusive. We're, we're in it. Great. Like this work, <laughs> it does, it's not about turning people polyamorous. I just want better, more conscious relationships. Thank and you. I wanted to put that out there so people wouldn't think you're like, you're going to push this way on them, that it's really just about um, having like the conversations and, you know, learning more about what this would look like so that they can make a better, um, more, you know, discerning decision. Um, and then like right. the other component is, is there any recovery from it? So you do explore it and you decide this didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's not able to handle his jealousy or she's not, or maybe they just don't like this lifestyle. How do you help them transition back? 
Right. So there's the thing. Most people picture this as an either or. Mm -hmm. And I like to completely unplug from that idea. Let's forget the idea that there's this mono poly war, right? This is this was named by um, a great scholar, Jorge Ferrer. He named these mono poly wars. It's not an either or situation. But at any point, you might find, oh, you know what? One of these ways isn't a good fit. Mm -hmm. And so we need to find a new normal. What we need to do under those circumstances is actually exactly what we needed to do to try to open. We need to make clear relationship agreements. We need to, we need to get clear and move all that stuff out of the implicit assumptions category into the agreements. And we need to figure out what our guiding principles are for our relationship. We can always reset these. We can always reset them. So we need to have a process. I like to guide people through a process where now we, we do this, we, we get clear on the guiding principles. Now we ritualize it. We mark it because not just marriages should get marked. Like <laughs> we should remark when we're renegotiating and we make sure that we're coming back to a new agreement. So it's same process in as out. Oh, wow. I love this. Look, you guys, um, I, I have these conversations because I don't want us to live ignorantly in the world when it comes to relationships. And if we are uninformed or misinformed, um, we won't make the best decisions when it comes to our life and the love that we want and why we're even choosing uh, commitment versus non-commitment, right? Is it something that was put on you by your parents because they told you that that's what should be done or you never had it and you saw it in a movie and now you think it's for you? like. I want you to be making decisions from an educated place. And it's why we have these conversations with experts so that you guys can make informed decisions and clear decisions and strong decisions that lead to the success for your life, your love life and your personal life. So um, by all means, if this is something that is hitting home with you, you know, meditate on it, pray on it, reach out to, you know, our doctor over here. She is like ready to take you on, um, has lived it. And so, you know, and, and studied it, which is extremely important. Or so, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, even open to this conversation. So I absolutely, you know, love and thank you for coming on. Um, once again, share your socials so that that way people can like follow you, um, yeah. YouTube channel, um, once more, one more time. Yeah. Yeah. So follow me at, at Dr. D-R Jolie, J-O-L-I underscore Hamilton, just like the musical at Dr. Jolie Hamilton. That's TikTok, Instagram. And then you can find my podcast, Project Relationship on YouTube and all the major podcast players. And that is a great way to hear what it sounds like from the guy's perspective. Cause that podcast is with me and Ken having real conversations about exactly this. How do we do this in real time? Oh my gosh, I gotta have Ken come on next. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know how he feels about public speaking, but I would love to have um, yes, him. He does. Right as well. <laughs> Uh, okay, and you guys can always play with my Twitter, stroke my IG at Spicy Mati. Um, share this episode with a friend, you know, click and subscribe. Make sure that you guys go to the spicylife.com, schedule a consultation with me um, so that I can also help you attract your purpose mate, but also retain your purpose mate. And there you guys have it. You have just been spiced. The Spicy Life.